0: Welcome to Reframe Your Mindset for Success. With me today is Scott Leaper. Scott is a creator at Maginot City and The Learning Lab. He makes the often complex, memorable, simple and effective. He creates and hosts immersive learning experiences and products and he has a passion for creating innovative learning solutions with a human-centered focus. I've known Scott for a number of years now and worked with him in the past And I'm really looking forward to speaking to you today. Welcome to Reframe Your Mindset for Success. With me today is Scott Leeper. How are you doing, Scott? I'm really good, Paul.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Brilliant to have you on. And what have you been up to this week, Scott? Oh, it's a busy one. I'm uh, I'm currently um, almost at the end of my uh, my COVID isolation period, so that's kept me <laughs> occupied. So uh, the answer to your question should really be Netflix. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've I've been actually pretty um, busy facilitating a lot of different programs. I've been I've been doing late night sessions to Australia this week, which has been fab. Um And I've been working with a, a an old client revisited that's that's came back around. Uh, uh, a wonderful charity in, uh, based in Glasgow called Cornerstone Foundation um, so that, that's, that's been great because I've been able to use a lot of my creative energy in a, in a different way for a, for a client I've worked with for a number of years as well so yeah I've been a bit busy just recovering uh, and also keeping uh, keeping business going while I've been recovering so yeah, it's, been an in, it's been
0: an interesting week. <laughs> and, uh, you know, as we just said, I've, I've got COVID too, so I can yeah, empathise and sympathise both <laughs> of yeah. us at the same
1: time. I, you, you're are, just getting off the train and I'm getting off it, I think.
0: <laughs> that, that, that That's it. Uh, that's, uh, well, hopefully you're getting better soon. Yeah. Um, so, I, as you know, at the start of the podcast, what I do is I get you to explain your story in as many words as you want. So. That's the that's cool. the opening opening gambit. So over
1: to you. Yeah, cool. <clears throat> I was thinking about this question actually, about where how far back you go in a story to tell it? So, I'm probably just going to tell it through highlights of creativity because that's that's the kind of space that I work in. So, um, I th- I think the first time I noticed creativity in my my story and my experience was was actually through my grandfather. Um, so my grandfather was a was a baker. He had his own bakery business based in Douglas and Lanarkshire. And obviously, when I was when I was a, a young lad, I used to go to my, my grandparents um, every second weekend. And uh, I, when I went to my grandpas, he used to take us down the beach, quite close to where we live at the moment, actually. Um, and he used to always—he was a bit—he's a bit of a hoarder, like my dad is. Actually, just gathering stuff that yeah. looks like rubbish and, and wreck, and then bring it back and build something out. And he used to make the most amazing, crazy golf courses out of things he found on the beach, little drain pipes and. Mm-hmm and, you know, plastic uh, bleach bottles and all these different things and build all this really cool stuff in his garden. Um, but when you were into my, my, my grandparents' house as well, there just seemed to be a, a real space of imagination in there. There was a, um, because he was a great baker, he used to make the most um, stunning flamingo pink meringues and his own um, lemonade that was kind of canary yellow colour. God knows what he was putting in it to make it that colour. It probably <laughs> was canaries that were in it. Um, But I always have really salient memories of those times as a kid. Um, And I I think the the thing that that I've only really noticed in in later years is the thing that made them special was the love that he poured into each of those things that he was doing. Um, Because as a baker, he's a craftsman, and he's making things by hand. um, And he's building things with his own hands. And and I think that always always appealed to me. And I, I think that's the things that I got most from my early years in education was... I was always far better at things that were crafting and things that were building and things that were really creative. I, I wasn't particularly academic at school. Um, my brother's probably the opposite of me. He was incredibly academic at school and I wasn't. So I didn't really have the the grades to go down a university route um, yeah. just simply because I wasn't. You know, a great student. I think my best school work was probably the artwork on my school journals, rather than <laughs> on the grades of anything else I did. And um, so, I kind of grew up in retail. Paul. Um, yeah. uh, I started my my work career um, selling sports shoes. Uh, I kind of I really love sport as you do as well. I'm a big football fan. Uh, and I thought, well, do you know if I can't go down the the the, the route of. Um, You know, being a PE teacher or something, I'll I'll, I'll sell sportswear for a living and I might naturally find my way into sports in that way. Um, And I noticed quite quickly that actually what I actually really enjoyed once I started doing that was not necessarily the sports side of things at all. It was actually the ability to grow people um, and to support, you know, people that work with me as well. Uh, And I went very quickly from joining that in a pretty much a sales role to you know, retail management and regional management, and over the period of, you know, a few years really, when I was kind of 19, 20, I was looking after small concessions, and then I was starting to look after um, single units, and then eventually that translated into doing training for a job. Um, I ended up taking on a, a regional training role at the company I was working with when I was, when I was 23, um, which was really young, but I then I then suddenly rediscovered my my, my love and my, my interest and and the, the kind of academic literacy side of what I was actually doing as well, because everything I'd done had been really um, qu- quite kind of creative in a sense that I was making my own destiny with it, but not really studying the the um, the kind of research and the evidence and the science behind everything I was doing. So I started doing you know, some CIPD studies at that time. And, you know, it was the best decision I made at that, that age of my career because I had all this kind of gut instinct, you know, emotional response and reaction and imagination, but I didn't really have anything underpinning it by way of knowledge. So I kind of really get lost in the, the studies of all of that. And then I spent the next, um you know, X number of years, basically working in kind of retail environments, a bit like that. And then eventually I ended up working for the, the cooperative group, Um, And I I joined them because I basically felt that they had so many different businesses within the one business. So I was able to work in travel, pharmacy, funerals, retail, wholesale, a whole load of different areas. Um, And I kind of decided at that point, I wanted to do different things every day and work with different companies every day. And I think I probably decided in year one that I wanted to be self-employed, but I would have to work towards how I would do that. And I think my, my story really started was... Um, my boss at the time said to me, um, uh, I've got his tickets to go and see a guy uh up in Edinburgh next week. And I went, like, all right, what is it? And she said, it's a guy called Richard Oliver. Um he's doing a a Julius uh a Julius Caesar Shakespeare play. And I was like <laughs> The morning in Edinburgh scene, uh, Shakespeare doesn't sound like somebody who grew up in retail <laughs> side to of fun. But I went, will oh, go along, see what it's like. And honestly, Paul, it, it it changed my whole outlook oh, on wow. business and on learning. The guy stood up at the front of the room and he said, my name is Richard Olivier. You might recognise me because my, my father, Lawrence, was very famous in the theatre world. And I was like, ooh, oh, oh, who wow. he is? And uh, he did this uh, Olivier mythodrama uh, in front of the audience and brought the, the whole um the whole all the different acts to life and he unpicked all the characters talking about emotional intelligence, political intelligence, asking the audience to get involved in it. And I just got I was like lightning bulbs flashing in my head about how you could actually make learning really different by layering it with different things. And that day I went home and wrote my business plan for my business. Sure I went off and did it and literally I think 18 months later I quit started. Um one business or more in businesses because I'm running more than one business now through it but I think that taught me you can make beautiful things that really help people flourish if you really tune into you know your own art and your own skill set of what you can do the difference you can make in different ways so I think that's my story of what where it's where it's taken me from and where it's taking me today and I, I, you know there's a lot of moments in there that I'm really blessed for but I think that uh, Richard Olivier one's probably the one that jumps out to me most that it took me, it almost was like a flashback to the last, you know, 18, 20 years of life. The minute I seen him doing that, yeah. it was incredible.
0: You, you've got to be open to those kind of moments, haven't yeah. you? You know, the like meaningful, meaningful coincidences then impact your life in such a profound way. Yeah.
1: Yeah. The first thing I wrote down that day actually, when I, I was trying to say, um, right, I can't do Shakespeare because I don't know anything about Shakespeare. What do I know? How, how could I take things that are, um relatable to me and make it help it relate to others so I started doing a lot of things on learning iconography is taking things that people and organizations would know and how do you then build a theme and a concept around that so I was like thinking about my days in the travel industry and go well if you work in a travel industry a travel agency you're really interested in holidays but you might not necessarily be interested in personal development for example so if you did a a, a training program that was about you know um a holiday destination you wrap re- you wrapped up to theme around it or you took the, the kind of craft of and the skill of snowboarding and the different skill of the ski slopes and then you said well what would that be like if you overlaid it with coaching about the different complexities of coaching and i started to build layers around it. i even wrote a training <laughs> course called amy's wine house <laughs> <laughs> oh, which, which was a chain of off sales that i come up with it never really went anywhere but it just made me chuckle that i wrote on a piece of paper <laughs>
0: superb so, so scott i mean if you were to explain to somebody you know say the title of what you do and what you do how would you how would you explain it because that's that's a, a bit of insight that you've yeah. just given us
1: yeah I, I always describe myself as a creator that, that's how i see my job title um and I, I think i go with that title because the, the things that i'm involved in um are different from one day to the next um so you know maybe in one day what i'm doing is i'm creating a learning experience for an organization um maybe one day i'm coaching someone and what i'm actually trying to do is to help them to create their own futures and help them to find the best version of themselves um i might be doing a bit of writing or something at one point and writing an article or, or ghost writing for someone else to facilitate something else so i'm always i'm always creating in the things that i do and i'm also at my best state when i'm creating i think that's when yeah. i'm I'm truly abundantly at my best. It's when I'm in the space of creating new things and different things that people can use. So, I tend to go with that as a as a title um, of what I do as a as a creator. It also doesn't have hierarchy attached to it as well, which is a a very deliberate choice of mine. Um, when when people see my business and they, they ask why do that, that's how I describe it for that reason. I think it's more accessible for people to give that title that. People can always define what your job role or what you do in your job, by the way in which you describe your title. Um, So I went with creator um, because I thought that describes what I do pretty well.
0: Brilliant. Great explanation as well. Well, as you know, Scott, the the podcast is around mindset and mindset developments. So why is mindset so
1: important to you, what you do? So many reasons, honestly. Um, Firstly, it's a fab question and I've listened to, loads of your 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 previous interviews and i thought some of the answers answers within them were were so fascinating unique about their own circumstances and their own their own roles and their own lives as well so yeah. um i was i was thinking about this through the lens of again creator and what that what that means i i think from a career point of view um I'm, my mindset is important to me because it helps me to push myself harder it helps me to push myself closer to the outer edges of what I think I can do. It helps me to scare myself a wee bit. Um, I don't mind pushing myself into spaces I've never been in before. But I think my mindset helps me to do that. Um, I also think I do that with a lot of a lot of heart and a lot of passion um, and a lot of interest and curiosity in others. So I think my mindset, to some degrees, allows me to fall in love with a lot of things, um, oh, whether right. that be people or whether that be places or whether that just be subject matter uh when i get involved i, I get involved <laughs> <laughs> right. I, get, I get right in there with the with the weeds because i like to know everything that's that, that that's going on with it um, and i think that that compassion and and interest also helps a, my mindset to be important because it, it helps me looking at uh, optimism and hope is a, is a big thing about um how it helps me and i think having an optimistic mindset about the world as a whole and about life also helps me from a mental health point of view. Because it helps me look at things through a, a more positive intent, even when something happens that's dark or difficult or or hard. I always see there's there's a possibility. There's an option of finding a way through it. And I think that keeps me healthy. Um, and it keeps my mind healthy. Um, and also, I think, keeps my body healthy. Um yeah. It's something I don't talk about that often, but I think it's important to mention it when we're talking about mindset. I'm I'm a type one diabetic and I have been since I was 21. And I think having the mindset of healthy living and, and exercise and looking after self is really important for me to look after myself and then my my condition will help to look after me. So I think having that mindset of of well-being, about mental and physical health being intertwined. I think helps me in my mindset of how I look at the world and that optimi- optimistic lens. Um and lastly it's fun. <laughs> it's fun, yeah. it's a good laugh. Do you know what I mean? You can yeah. see the brightness and things, it's it's a it's a funner space to live in. So yeah. That's that's why it's important to me, I think, Paul.
0: Yeah, no, no, absolutely. I mean, you know, the couple of things that are picked out there is you know, to have the curiosity and fall in love with that curiosity and the optimism, the way that you look at things. <laughs> And uh, as well as a uh, you know you've looked after yourself as well type of mindset yeah. and you're bringing those together and you can see how that that makes it fun because it's the way that you look at life yeah. yeah yeah and and is that so I mean in some respects because normally I, f- I follow with the question how would you describe your mindset is, is it is it it's a combination
1: of mindsets that makes your mindset up I think it is I think I think it's like a labyrinth actually Paul to be honest it's <clears throat> it's a bit interchangeable and and. Uh, do you know, two people described something to me in the last year that I'd never described myself as, but the minute they said it, I went, they're bang on. Somebody said my, my, um, my mind was a bit like popcorn. Um, and he said, What well, it's, it's like when you put corners of popcorn in a microwave and you turn it on, nothing yeah. happens at first. But the minute it starts getting excitable, you can see things firing all over the place. Yeah. And I thought, you know, that's a really good, just how, that's how I would describe myself. if I was just going to use one singular thing to describe it. I and mean, then somebody else said to me that I think you've got itchy creativity. Uh, and I also really liked that description because I think it's it, it's that kind of sparks that almost um, to some degrees, it's like a firework of ideas and things that are sparking off when you're looking at, at, at different areas. Um, but I think there is another there's another side to that creativity that's about compassion. Um, yeah. It's something I, I I'm, I'm I'm keen to lean into a lot as well it's like yeah it's probably compassionate creativity to some degrees I make sure that what I'm doing is inclusive for people it's not just it's not just um, out there for the sake of being out there it's not wacky uh, I don't describe my creativity as being wacky I, I describe it as being purposeful and focused on solving real world problems rather than just being creative for the sake of being creative I think it's got a, an intent with it um, that I want to make sure I'm doing things that help others
0: uh, that that makes complete sense, and you know, I, th- I think you'd be fine. That some people actually really find it hard to step out of their comfort zone, and I'm guessing yes. some of the stuff that you do through creativity helps them to do that.
1: Yeah, it does. Uh, you still have to give people the safety space to enable them to do that, so that they don't feel silly or daft at any point when they're doing it, and give them some logic of why you're doing it. And um, it's quite difficult for people to be creative if they're not ripe. Right if i not ready to be creative. So if you suddenly try to switch it on like a, a light switch on, it doesn't always work for people. You have to almost give them a build-up to what you're going to do and why you're going to do it and give them a little warm-up to enable them to get in that space to do it. Um, and I think that's important in noticing. There's a lot of people who say they aren't creative when they actually are in lots of ways. It's just they've got a very singular definition that's been given to them at one point in time. Well, they say I can't draw, so I'm not creative. Well, you don't have to be able to draw to be creative. Do you know, there's lots of things you can be creative. Do you know, if you lie, you're creative. <laughs> you know no. I mean? If you tell Absolutely. jokes, you're creative. Do you know if yeah. you yeah. if you read bedtime stories to your kids, you're creative. There are so many different concepts of what creativity is. If I sit and daydream about something, that in itself is is creative. Um, there's loads of different things that you might describe differently as being uh, really creative and I think that's one of the things when you're working with people is not to get too stuck in a singular definition is think about how are how are you creative and I've been, I've been working on a really interesting um, uh, project with a number of friends and fellow creatives at the moment of that very question, what makes us creative um, and I think it's quite an interesting one to consider for us all actually in, in our jobs yeah no you really
0: creative. I, I, absolutely i mean I, i've found in the corporate world over the years when you know providing leadership developments and in conversations and coaching conversations that so many people can quite quickly jump to that default position of i'm not cre- i'm not creative i'm not a creative type yeah. person you know see so you, you know i have experienced a lot of that um and you're quite right it, it's helping to people to understand what creativity really
1: is isn't it yeah yeah it's there's a lot of job roles as well out there, Paul, that people don't feel creativity is part of the task. You know, but the old the old adage about you know if you use a if you only use a hammer, you, you ain't gonna get a, a different outcome if that's the only tool you have. So I, I think if we're going to solve again all the greater issues of today, it, it takes creativity and experimentation um, to try and f- solve some of the, the big problems in the world. So I think it's something we should all we should all get a taste of and get a bit more involved in as well if we aren't already.
0: So you, you mentioned about, you know, and talk about the the compassion and the kindness in what you do. And we've obviously all experienced exponential change these last few years with the pandemic and lockdown. Has it has it grown out of that or has is it, is it been something that's always been
1: part of the work that you do? Um, I think it's always been part of what I do, but I've been able to use it to help me through the last couple of years and actually when I was in my my own personal circumstances uh, at the most difficult stages of the, of the last two years I think noticing I wasn't using my creativity was was so obvious to me but I wasn't even noticing it <laughs> it was like do you know when, when we all get that um, marvelous announcement the March 20 stay in your house and yeah don't go for a time you're up your big brother <laughs> yeah and uh, you went, oh, shit, this changes everything. What do, What am I going to do? Oh, it I mean, changed I, everything. I, 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 I just <laughs> yeah. created a brand new tool, as you know, Paul, that um, there was a physical card system. Yeah. You know, and I went, and Boris is standing and saying, you know, don't touch cardboard surfaces and, you know, clean your, your Amazon package when it comes to the door. Don't shake hands, don't be in the same office space as everyone. I've just created a tool that I'm encouraging people to be in the same space <laughs> and share. And I go, Oh my god, how do I do this? So I'm sitting going, Oh no, oh no, no. And in the whole space when I'm doing it, I'm not going, What if? You know, how might what's the possibilities? I was so locked into this as a problem, and I'm just basically giving myself the worst medicine I could possibly give myself. Yeah. But actually standing back from it at one point a few weeks later and going, Okay. When, when am I at my best as I said to you I'm at my best when I'm creating what can I create and how can I work uh, in a way that helps me to navigate that so I, I basically changed the rules of the game for myself in there That I leaned into what I'd done previously in other circumstances and created different ways of working so you know from the, the idea of um, Fest and we brought that to life from taking the cognitized cards that I have and seeing how you keep using them in a digital form um, to building a, a couple of new businesses with uh, with my friend uh, Kirsty Mack we we did a, a lot of different things Did we had we ended up having Christmas parties that year hosted on a new virtual platform that we'd built um, we created a virtual pub together we did all these uh, different things by yeah. just using creativity to to try and solve a lot of really complex and difficult challenges so I I think to answer your question Paul it, it was always there but I think it really amplified it for me because I was suddenly going ah right okay the solution to this is me using my best quality to help others out and to help myself out to navigate this space yeah which surprising to me was that I didn't notice that straight away it took me a good few weeks to suddenly give myself a nudge and through the conversations with others as well to say Scott, when are you at your best? What is it you're doing? And me to go, ah, ah,
0: ah,
1: <laughs> messed up. Yeah.
0: Ah. Especially, you know, the, the, the thing with it all is, is you're going in one direction. And because I know I experienced it, I'd flown to Croatia to speak to Paris and I was due to fly to Barcelona and you think your life's moving in one direction then all of a sudden it's moving in the other. And it's not until you finally sit down and go, right, what is it that I should do in this situation? and play to me strengths that you, that you realise that, you know, there's lots of other things and lots of other ways of doing things. So, you know, it's, it's brilliant the way that you've explained that. And, yeah. and obviously, obviously that little bit of, you know, you know, you felt paralysed just to start
1: with, which you think yeah. most people did. But we know this, Paul, we know this, we teach this every day. <laughs> you know, we should know this. But I, do you know what I think? I, I did. I think the thing that flung me was pace. The, yeah. the pace flung me. The suddenness of you were all doing things this way, now you're going to do things the opposite way, it's like taking an old 1930s telephone and replacing it with an iPhone and saying, right, you were using this, but you've now got to use this and actually making that shift really quickly and thinking that that's dead easy to do because yeah. it isn't.
0: No, no, noticing
1: so. that difference of space that you're working in. I think that the, the, the trap I fell into was trying to fix everything too quick and trying to re, reconfigure my business over a, over a week rather than going, What's the hurry? You know, I should just stop here and think a wee bit more and practice pausing. That um, I know, uh, Damien, you'd done a few uh, uh, episodes ago talks about the quality of good pausing. Um, but I think that's something that I didn't do at first. I went too fast into trying to find the solution. Um, do, I think that's a lesson that, in that for me.
0: Yeah, you know, what, it, it was very very similar for me. So I'd, I'd probably say the same thing. Is that I felt that I had the choice of either doing something or doing nothing and the doing nothing in some respects could have been just as valuable to, to have that time thinking yeah. that they actually racing into trying to do things differently. Um, which obviously you're going to need to do things differently at some stage, but if you're going to do it, do it well thought through. Um, yeah. do, do, do you know from a mindset perspective thing, because obviously there's curiosity, creativity, you know, the compassion, have you got any practical tips that, that you'd share that, that maybe you use or you've used in the past?
1: Yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, I, I think, one of the things is, is, I always try to seek out new spaces and new adventures, and not try to repeat things too often. I think um, I, I'm a massive music lover. I, I love music, and I love music that's got lots of range and styles to it. And I always really admire musical artists who change their style quite a lot, um, who shift their style a lot. So somebody like um, Damon Albarn, I'm a huge fan of because he went from being in a, you know, pretty much a, a Brit pop band to Doing live theater orchestra shows, they're doing you know crossover work with uh, grime and rap artists to um, you know doing um, his own solo stuff that's that's based on taking inspiration from the earth, and I, and I think there's a lot of that in what I suggest people do when they're trying to be more creative is try to look for new adventures and new spaces that you can. You can exist in and try not to repeat the same thing year after year and do the same thing keep pushing yourself to try new things that you haven't tried before and i think if it starts to feel like a warm cozy bath get out of it because it'll only start keeping up on you because what will happen is the temperature will gradually get hotter and you won't notice it um, and you'll get less interested in what you're doing and you won't notice it so i, I kind of like to jump from a, a warm bath into a cold bath quite quickly from, from, a, from a metaphor point of view of, of, of work um, and I, I do that by maybe trying to connect things that I've never connected before, or thinking of possibilities as a very deliberate state doing quite deliberate daydreaming to work out um, where could you go to and we were quite, I think we're quite sometimes set in our ways of looking within our own industry for inspiration, I think we should do the opposite actually, I think we should look out with our industry and look to completely different areas of business about where we could get ideas from or maybe don't even look at business look at something else that's completely different to see where the patterns are that exist in that they can teach you quite a lot about you know how you can how you can build that into business and I I said right at the very start of the first question you asked Paul about um, fun is really important for me within all of that and I always I always try to remind people you were nine year old once, and there are still a possibility as a nine year old kid hidden you there somewhere. So just try and discover it now and then, because because a nine year old kid doesn't stress themselves by all those different problems going in the world. They, they don't worry themselves by the fear of all that. They just go, if I want to do that, I'll I'll do that. I'll do that, uh, and I'll try that, and I'll I'll do something different tomorrow, and I'll I'll not worry about it. So um, I think I think kind of. Um, looking for that, that kid in yourself sometimes is a good way to do that. And uh, what, my, what would my young self tell myself to do in this situation rather than always looking for the experienced head in the room? Um, I think it can take you in different ways.
0: That's great, That's great advice. So, so with your mindset, has, has anybody helped you over the years to develop your mindset or enhance your mindset or has there been a book or something? Do that... um,
1: uh, I, I, you know, this is a question I, I I really, when I was, listening to your previous episodes, Paul, that I was really, really searching in my head about who um, and what. And I kind of surprised myself, actually, I think, when I was, when I was thinking about this, because it wasn't naturally where I thought the answer would come from. But um, I, I've actually taken a lot of inspiration from bad practice, is yeah. looking at what I've been taught that I don't like and reversing it. Um, do you know, like, the, the, the worst teachers you had in school? Yeah, worst are, managers. <laughs> are, are the worst managers. Or the, the most bland death by PowerPoint training course you've ever been on, and going, that's not how I want to live my life, <laughs> and that's not how I want to be doing things. I, th- I think I've a lot of my mindset is shaped through some quite some quite bad experiences from that. Um, I mean, I, I've 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 blessed that. I've both still got both my parents and my life, and I, I love them both dearly. I wouldn't I think I take the heart and the compassion part from my parents, but not necessarily the, the creativity elements. Although my, my dad is is, is fairly um, creative as as I remember a train set he made me when I was young was was just amazing. It wasn't just a train set, this was like a landscape made out of paper mashie It was all hand painted. So I, I know I take some of that from from watching and admiring what other people do. Um yeah. I, I said already, I think I take a lot of that from, from music and from lyrics and from song that inspires a lot of creativity um do you know if i had to think of of, of anyone just to kind of keep me on the right path of somebody that you would know well as well paul is uh, jill taylor um, okay yeah that, that you work with and and then i work with as well for a period at the co-op and i think um Jo had a really big impact on me because she was uh, she was really great at backing myself at telling me to back myself and um, and allowing me to flourish, allowing me to find roles when I was in an employed role, um, for me to do things and be at my best while I'm doing things, rather than forcing me into roles that felt restrictive. I think she was good at identifying that in me, and she gave me a lot of self-belief um, before I went self-employed. Um, and I think when in the years I've been self-employed, along with the coaches that I've worked with, um, I think I've always looked for for external forces um, to say, how can that help and guide my story and the, the music I listen to and the, the, the people I really admire that are ridiculously creative in all that they do and um, just really been inspired by the way in which they shape and evolve their own, their own careers so I, I think those are the, it's the, a combination of the experiences plus the conversations with those people and actually looking in admiration at some of those people that do things in different ways um, always really really energised me to keep challenging myself to do things in different ways
0: Brilliant, brilliant. And, you know, as you say, Jill has been an inspiration for you as well. Oh, she's, she's been great. Absolutely. She's
1: been great. Um, she really has. And uh, you've, I dare say you've sat a stone's throw from her handfield before as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, she's she just just dead honest, but directly honest about where you're at, what you need to do, giving you an opportunity to perform. And I, I'd never had that really in my career until I worked with Jill. I was almost like doing the job that people wanted me to do. Rather than um, rather than her finding a space for me that I could be my best, and I always really really appreciate Jill for that, and um, that she gave me an opportunity to, to to shine in a space that, I, that might have been diminished somewhat if she didn't do that. One in
0: one in a million. Yes. So so Scott, just to just to conclude, uh, with with a couple of things. The first one is I normally ask, have you got any funny stories that you can share? <laughs> Uh, you, you, you know, been, <laughs> well, pre- preferably, but you know, I'll, 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 let you be the best judge of it.
1: Um, I, I, I had two in my head. I, might, I might combine them if I can, but I'll, I'll, I'll start with the first one because I think it's the one that that probably resonates most. It was a time I tried to get Jose Mourinho the Scotland job. Scenarios <laughs> that. <training> <laughs> I, you know? I always believe that you, you, if you're creative and you put creativity into your work, you can you can achieve what you want to achieve. I remember I was on a, I was on a course in Sheffield um, with a fab company called GOMAD uh, Go Make a Difference, and th- they've got a, a really superb framework around how you can kind of strategize your creativity and how you can build a, a real. Um, a real map around actually and plan this out and they've got a a questioning framework they use to navigate their their strategic map, if you like. And the questioning framework is is basically a series of different types of questions. So if you ask somebody a question like how might you get home tonight, you'll probably give 10 answers to it. But if you ask the question of how will you get home tonight, you'll give the one certain answer. So they, they show you the difference between a focus to mind question and a possibility based question. Yeah. So there was this little activity when I first started working with them, they gave us all as a group to do. And it was, you have five minutes to come up with as many ideas as you can um, to solve a problem that you want to try to solve. Now, I think at the time, I was trying to remember who the Scotland manager was in this company. I met even in Bertie Volks. George Burley, but whatever it was, they were doing a pretty abysmal job, and I wanted them out of the Scotland job. And <laughs> he, did, he did fall into the trap. He said, you can solve anything you want to solve. He said the word anything to me. Now, if somebody says anything to me, that means anything's possible. It doesn't mean, say, do something that's in what context. So he said, you've got these questions in front of you on your sheet, and there was 10 questions. It was questions like, what possible resource could I use? Who could I possibly chat to? How could I possibly solve? This was the kind of questions you had there. Yeah. And they were drawn out in a kind of mind map shape. And what you had to do is put your answers around each of the questions. And you got one point for every answer that you provided. And um, so the idea is you set yourself a target to get to <laughs> how many ideas you're going to come up with in five minutes. And he said this before we started, he went, uh, the guy that was hosting it went, um, just to let you know, we have a bounty on this that if you if you get above 80 ideas in five minutes, um, we've got a £10,000 bounty that the guy that created this system is volunteering to offer. And, and I wasn't there as a, I was there to learn the system, to teach that system to other people. So I kind of, I didn't know whether I was being counted into the bounty as I could win it or whether I wasn't in the bounty to win it because I was there just as a, uh, a trainer to learn how to use it so I could use it elsewhere for a company I was working for uh, so I thought I'm going to play along anyway I'm going to try and do this so I sat for five minutes to see how many ideas I come up with and they didn't ask at the start what your goal was you just wrote it down in the top corner so when it got to the answers and people are reading them out um, he's asking the question the host and he's saying right what was just what was your target and what was your actual and the scores are coming my um, target was 25 and I got 20, my target was 30 and I got 28, my target was 18 and I got 16. And I'm feeling really, really bad, he's about to come <laughs> to me. And he goes, Scott, what was your target? I, my target was 70 and I got 95. Oh, wow. And he he went, what? He goes, you get 95? I went, like, yeah, I get 95. Was if you don't mind me asking you what, what what were you trying to solve? I said, I'm trying to get Jose Mourinho to Scotland job. <laughs> <laughs> he, he bust out laughing. He went, Well, you must be pretty desperate if you're coming up 95 different ways. I said, honestly, one of this, I'm going to walk to his house and kidnap him and take him all the way to Hamden Park. I says, My ideas are going in all sorts of directions here. Um, but it, it did teach me something quite valuable actually about possibilities that um you can come up with ideas within there and a there was there was things on that list that obviously I can I can really at that point in time go and chat to Jose a between Store and ask him to come to Scotland or pay him the money, but there was stuff in there that was was definitely different, different than impossible. what you would get if yeah. you weren't asking yourself those questions in a, in, a, in a different way, and I'm pretty certain I'm um, probably. The only person that's come up with ninety-five different days of how you could compose <laughs> him in the The irony of that is, he probably get it in the next couple of years by how he's doing at Roma at the moment. So
0: that, that, that's it. I was going to say, would you still want him? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <Very> brilliant, <laughs> brilliant. That's a great story. So, so just to conclude, then Scott, what would be the last piece of advice that you give to the listeners?
1: Um, do you know, my last piece of advice would would probably be a a, a quote from Edward de Bono because I think it defines creativity really, really well, actually, in a mindset uh, you know, perception as well. And I think it's always think sideways. Um, for me, that's how you solve some of the biggest problems in the world.
0: Brilliant. Great piece of advice. Well, Scott, it's been great having you on the podcast. Thank you. Great listening to some of your ideas and talking about creativity. So thanks for coming on.
1: That's a pleasure. Listen, I really, really appreciate it. And uh, uh, thanks for, for all those questions, you've given me some thoughts to take away as well, Paul, to go and say, I've not planned to do that this year. I need to know work out how I'm going to do that. So I'll maybe phone Hosey and see if he's uh <laughs> if he's
0: I've really enjoyed today's session with Scott. You know, the, the ability that he has to think differently You know, his advice on scaring yourself and pushing yourself into the spaces that you've not been before. He has a mindset of curiosity, optimism, creativity, and kindness. And as he says, it's these interchangeable mindsets that make him successful. And I like that because I talk about the mindset equation for success, and that is a combination of mindsets that we bring together to be successful. He also talked about the quality of good posing and itchy creativity. And that if we want to solve the problems that we face today, that it really does take creativity and experimentation. So do try new things. You know, and as Scott says, you know, don't, don't leave it. Try those new things. Don't end up in a cozy warm bath that eventually gets too hot and that you don't notice. So I hope you enjoyed the, the session. I really did. And I'm gonna leave you with this. change the world there's nothing